All right, this is a headphone. Listen, people, headphone earbuds. Uh, yeah, mandatory listening through some sort of stereophonic uh, um, sound yeah. device. So if you're in your car, pull over, put on your headphones, and uh, stick with us for the next thirty minutes or so. Yep. All right. So while people are fumbling around for their uh, headphones and earbuds and all you that, figuring stuff, out how to pair them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, they get unpaired. Anyways, um, we'll remind people to, uh, hey, if you haven't already, like, or like, subscribe to the podcast. Yes, for sure. And you can like it by reviewing it and giving it a rating. So if you're looking for an easy peasy way to help support the podcast, uh, that would be pretty easy yeah, no one star ratings please no 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 yeah that would not help uh make sure you're following us on facebook and if you're a twitter slash x kind of guy or a gal follow us there as well and uh, we'd love to hear from you in comments and direct messages so if you're looking for any of that plus uh, past episodes and even some of our video interviews check out out of the main.com well Good. I got my earbuds all paired. Okay. Uh, only the right one is working right now, but oh, there goes the left one that popped in. Okay. Good. All right. So now they're both working. You know what that means. T- yeah. Tell me why you wanted to talk about this. So how did this come about? It's the great podcast, Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not why. Um, well, f- of course it is sort of though. We're coming into Halloween season. Mm-hmm. Halloween is mere days away, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, spooky has become a Halloween favorite. It's uh, sort of yachty. Is it on your uh, Halloween on the Yacht playlist? Yes, which okay. we are, of course, going to come back to. Okay. Um, I don't believe it is certified Yacht Rock, although it is on the uh, many of the Yacht Rock playlists in yeah. Yacht Rock series, correct? Yeah, whatever. Uh, yes, it is a uh, composite score of, ooh, geez, uh 23.5, so okay. not Yachty whatsoever. Ooh. But uh, it's this time of year, and... But really, the other reason is, is because this is a song, again, like we've said before, that you can hear a thousand times, but until you truly listen to it, mm-hmm. do you come away with an appreciation? And I was doing just that with my earbuds on, my noise canceling, Ooh, uh, just yes. perfect sound, out of walk, was not being bothered by anything. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff started hitting me. I'm like, wow, this song is masterfully arranged and recorded. Mm, we're going to go through that then, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it is funny that you do tend to listen. I mean, people naturally gravitate to listening to primarily the lead vocal, mm-hmm. right? And then maybe some semblance of the groove underneath. We talked about extensively about grooves last week. Those are the general things that people do when they're having just a surface listen. But going in and saying, I'm going to study something, or you put the headphones on and you, you shut everything else off, you're not multitasking, you're just listening to tunes, it's amazing the things that come to the surface for you. Absolutely. I love it, like it is the case with this song, when it just hits you and you weren't even expecting it. So I wanted to yeah. pay it forward, as they say. Okay. So again, if you've got your earbuds nearby or your headphones or whatever, put them on because uh, we're going to do some uh, music appreciation today after we get into the background about the song itself. Yeah, that was also surprising to me, too, and revealed itself sort of in layers. Um, So when I knew we were going to do this one, I decided to go back and find some history of the song because immediately when you brought the song up, I thought, man, that is a song that's been covered a million times. There's so many versions of it out there, and I built a list for you. Um, Which, by the way, we should mention that there is a, what, 12 or 13 song playlist that's nothing but... Various renditions of the song Spooky. Spooky. I don't even know if we mentioned the song is Spooky. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yes. So um, I'll put that in the show notes. It's just. probably in the title. People probably already saw that. Yep. Anyway, 
anyway, so I, I knew that there were a lot of versions of it. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I wanted to figure out, well, what would be considered the, the definitive version of it? Or even the original, though the original isn't always the definitive. So I went looking back and I looked at the, the writers of the song. So we're talking about the uh, Atlanta Rhythm Section version, 1981. Mm-hmm. But I knew that the song had a history that went back to the 60s. Yet, songwriters listed on the 1981 version of Spooky were guys from Atlanta Rhythm Section. So I thought... Wow, how can that be? Did maybe they add lyrics to it or something? So I went searching. Mm-hmm. I knew there was a dusty Springfield version, yep. and that goes back to 1968. That was in a uh, movie, actually, a guy Richie movie called Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Did you see that one? I did, but not in 1968. So well, no, we the movie came out it. in 98. Oh, yeah. But yeah. the song is from 1968. And her version has 134 million spins on Spotify. Wow. So it's probably the most spun version. And as I listened to it, I thought, yeah, this is kind of close to what I remember. But I started digging a little bit further. And then I found out that there was actually a 1967 version of it by a band called Classics IV, Classics 4, Roman numeral 4. First you say no, you got some plans for the night, and then you stop and say, all right, love is kind of crazy with a spooky little girl like you. And I heard that, and I thought, ah, yeah, this now is the one, aside from the Atlanta Rhythm Section version that I do know. Now, um, that one has about 12 million on Spotify. So it is well known, but for whatever reason, doesn't have nearly as much as Dusty Springfield's version. But as I dug into Classics 4 and who they were, I realized that it included none other than Dean Daughtry and James Cobb, who are now, by 1981, members of Atlanta Rhythm Section, uh-huh. thus explaining why a song in 1981 could have songwriters on it that I thought was a cover of a 1968 song. Well, they were the same guys. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the Atlanta Rhythm Section were what exactly what it sounds like. They were session guys in Atlanta that kind of came together as a group, and you booked them as a group, similar to the section or Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section, or even the way Toto sort of became that. This is what these guys were in Atlanta. But they'd started off as this Classics 4 and did Spooky back in 1967. So now we fast forward to 1981, and they're doing it again as Atlanta Rhythm Section. Wow, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, a question for you on a Atlanta Rhythm section. Yeah. From you personally, was this a group that you were you had on your radar back then? Did you listen to them a lot? Obviously, you probably a remember bit. The, so the hits. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and I'm going to save that for the lightning round because that comes Ooh. up in the lightning round. But yes, I would not say that I was would go out and collect their records or anything like that or sought them out in the record store. But... Uh, I did know who they were, yes. And they, they kind of, you know, it took them a long time to break through, actually. It yeah. uh, wasn't until, like, maybe their fifth or sixth record. So the record label stuck with them a long time. 
Yeah, which would never be the case nowadays, but was so often the case back in what we refer to as the glory years of artist development and music production. So I'm, I'm glad they did, because the reason I asked you is because now I go back and listen to their music like I did with the song, and I have a whole new appreciation for the performances mm-hmm. of the guitar players in particular, but really the whole band. Now I see why they were guns for hire. Well, technically, the first year of Yacht Rock is 1976, and coincidentally, that is the year that they broke through. 1976, the album uh, A Rock and Roll Alternative, which contained So Into You, which is mm-hmm. a played ad nauseum on Yacht Rock lists. <laughs> and you say then, that like it's a bad thing. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not I'm, I don't think that's... Is that one certified? Uh, Are you going to bother? I, I'm going to look. Well, I don't you keep talking. I mean, if you can look anymore, because the, the list isn't even up to date, but... Um, yeah, then they had uh, Champagne Jam 1978 that had a hit on it. So you brought up from 1979 Do or Die, which was uh, sort of that Fogelberg sounding tune. So, um, and then of course Spooky was from that uh, album later on, 1981, I guess it was, right? Uh, so Into You, by the way, is a uh, certified gem at 69.5. So Ooh, that's pretty high, actually. Considering the other one was so low, and they're not really that sonically that different. No, but, anyways, they're not. I digress. Mm hmm. So, um, well, who are these? So, the members that you mentioned. Well, their drummer's named Robert Nix. Did you catch that? I, I did catch oh, that. Yeah. Yep. He's missing two letters, but he's pretty cool sounding. Yeah, I bet yeah. his son was something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, so the, the drummer's Robert Nix at the time of 1981 or always? Uh, uh, yeah. For, I mean, not always, but yeah, the bulk of the years. So, who are the, the main players in this 81 album? I'm speaking specifically of guitar because okay. we're going to listen to some of this guitar work. It's phenomenal. Well, they've got, um, at least what I found, they've got James Cobb, as I said. So, Dean Daughtry and James Cobb, those are the two that came from Classics 4. Okay. Um, Paul Goddard on bass, another guitarist, Barry Bailey. And Rodney Justo, uh, lead singer. Lead singer. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's amazing. But one thing I found in the etymology of the song that you didn't mention, this is- uh, Are you calling me out or just- No, okay. I just thought maybe you knew this and you omitted it, but it says here that Spooky is originally an instrumental song performed by saxophonist Mike Sharp, or Shapiro, mm-hmm. written mm-hmm. by Shapiro and Harry Middlebrooks Jr., which first charted in 1967, hitting 57 on the U.S. pop charts. Yes, I did have that in my notes, and I accidentally skipped over it. So thank you for calling me out. You're right. Yeah, can, <laughs> so imagine that. It was an instrumental first. So that would mean that the, well, the Classics 4 version would have been, those guys would have added lyrics to an existing instrumental. Yep, and then, then that's how they got the writing credits way back when. Yeah. Interesting. Add a word, get a third, they say. <laughs> Well, and then let's fast forward to this playlist that you put together. There's so many versions that have come since. Well, first of all, before the 81 version and since, there's a um, David Sanborn version. Yeah, there's instrumental versions of it, too. It's gone back. It's such a good melody. It does live without the vocal. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah, without lyric. And now it's a song. Hopefully, it's going to uh, find another place near and dear to your heart if you appreciate, as we do, the actual song in the care with which they mixed and arranged and produced this track, that if you just listen yeah. to it for the lyrics, you're, you've missed 90% of its worth, I think. Yeah, well, you were the one that kind of brought this up. I'm going to let you be the play-by-play. I'll be the color commentary, and we can go into the song right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, allow me to be your tour guide mm. uh, on a trip through Spooky. Mm-hmm. We'll start at the beginning and we'll work our way all the way to the end. And as they say in Haunted Mansions, Welcome. All right, so everyone remembers how the song starts. Um, a couple things that I noticed that were interesting about everything that happens before the lyric starts. I want to get your take on them. Mm-hmm. One is the groove. So mm-hmm. we go back to talking about the groove, right? And then this song to me has a very relatable groove. It's interesting how it's established. For one, you have a rhythm guitar part that is essentially playing the th- key theme or the key melodic theme of the song and it's not just rhythm guitar although it's played like rhythm guitar but it actually has the melody so that's one piece the other piece of the groove is a very recognizable counter melody being played by the bass player yes almost like an answer and that's at the end of the phrase you're going to hear the do 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 okay yeah well let's play a little bit of the intro my my add-on was how it starts Everything before the band kicks in is almost dead mono in the center. You got like the hi-hat and the, the clav or whatever. And then as soon as the band kicks in, it goes wide left and right. It's cool. Okay, but before we do that then, because one other thing I want people to listen for is the groove, the drum part of the groove. You're going to hear him, you know, like you said, counting it out almost on the hi-hat. And then when it goes to the regular groove, I want to get your take as a drummer on this after when we come back. But most of the verse is played on the ride cymbal keeping the time right and so that's interesting for me because like typically when you're just playing the regular groove you're on the hi-hat the drummer is mm-hmm. and then you use the ride cymbal as a way to sort of open up the mix yeah and to give it some breath but because the song is spooky i think just leading with the ride brings an eeriness to it so listen to all that and we will let it rip So I never, first of all, I never paid that close of attention on that ride symbol to realize that essentially, like I said, he's counting it off on the hats and then opens it up. Well, I think your reasoning is right on that, that he wants it to have sort of a swimmy, ambient nature to the song. So choosing the uh, the ride symbol for that made sense. Uh, and going to the width thing that I was talking about, it's uh, an interesting technique because they have the, the basically playing the same part. It's virtually a double, but on the left side, you've got, uh, the guitar, I guess it is. And on the right, you've got like the Wurlitzer or the piano. So it's normally you might double the same instrument, just the guitar player would play it twice and you'd go left and right. But now you got two instruments, different instruments playing pretty much exactly the same part left and right. And so it makes it even wider because you've got different instrumentation, different harmonics, different tonalities. 
Absolutely. So you have all of that established. You get to the, I guess, the hook, which is sort of like a chorus, right? Yeah, sort kinda. of. But it's the payoff. It's a little it's bit like, of a refrain. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, we're a refrain. All right. Yeah. It's a little well, then we refrain from overdoing the chorus. What I like is now we're, we start to add layers. Yes. And this layer that you hear next is the spooky backup vocals. The spooky which, ooze, which actually are, are in the intro, but for some reason you notice them now when they come in. Yes. Yeah, and they're kind of swirly sounding, aren't they? It's very swirly. They got some reverb on it, so they feel distant, and then a little bit panned to the left, as I recall. So yeah. here, let's listen to that. You always keep me guessing. I never seem to know what you are Okay, so then we are leading to a series of solo sections, which I want people to listen to the solos as they're being played to the extent that we can play it, because it's great work. But before we get there, we have, early on, we are only a minute and a half into a five-minute song, and it's time for a key change. (laughs) And and solos. Yeah, so it's a half step up, I think, right? Does that feel like a half step to you? It's a half step up, and it's doing that triplet figure. It, it sounds so clumsy to me. It actually really? sounds like a bad edit to me. I can't stand that part. Oh, geez. I think it kind of like, it's a little hiccup and then it's like, Oh, it's a right, hiccup, all right. Let's get into it's it. It's more like throwing up. Okay, well, listen to two things. Listen to the great um, guitar work. So he starts off by reestablishing the sort of melody and then starts to riff a little bit. But in terms of groove, the drummer then goes to the bell of the ride cymbal and plays every note on and on the offs. Yes, on the offs, and it just adds so much more, like I guess breath. But listen for both things at once. Here we go. So the guitar lead tone is something I really love. It's mm-hmm. so focused. It's so mid-rangey and focused, and it sounds like a pedal distortion. I don't know. Maybe guitar heroes can tell us what it is, whether it's like the DS1 or a Tube Screamer or whatever, going into maybe like a Marshall or something like that. And it's fairly dry, but man, it is so focused, and it really makes Every little articulation to me pop, especially he does all those pinch harmonics where mm. he's got complete control of when he wants to pinch it and not. You know, it's there's no accident, you know, when he hits those. Yeah, absolutely. Now you didn't like the little hiccup, but do you like the little half step key change? I think it elevates it, obviously, to a place that says, Hey, everyone pay attention to something new and then the groove changes in the and the ride is oh, like yeah. We're yeah, in a new yeah, place. Yeah. This is cool. Totally agree with that. Yeah, I like the key change. All right, let's hear a little bit of the end of the guitar solo because that's when he uh, freewheels it a little bit more. Yep. We are segueing into verse three. Now we're going to add yet another layer, which is another rhythm guitar part played in a different place on the neck. And now you've got that happening in the left ear, as I recall. And then the right ear has the original and it just creates another little sonic uh, point of interest and elevates the song to another point. Yeah, 
so it's a little funky, strummy guitar thing, and then the, the piano is also picking up its action level. You know, it's not speeding up. Well, the whole track kind of speeds up. Yeah. The, the tempo, they're clearly not playing to a click, but whether they sped up intentionally or just the excitement of the song building, but <laughs> I don't think they could contain themselves. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. But you still got all the previous layers, too. You still got the spooky spooks, oh, yeah. and you got everything going on. It's just subtly adding layer by layer, and as you go, now the mix is getting wider and wider, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure I would have noticed those things being added in the third verse if it were not for headphones and intentionally studying and intentionally listening yep all right you ready for a little piece of uh fun little ear candy okay what you got so they only do it once they only do it on the word halloween but they introduce the chimes Ooh! so this is like you're in the studio and you're like let's let's have a little more fun we, we got an open track what are we gonna put in there <laughs> attention to detail that was just so prevalent back then that people wouldn't care about now they probably wouldn't even have chimes nearby they'd have to boot it up on a computer somewhere <laughs> I see. didn't even notice it, so you have to show me. All right, check it out. See, so you never heard that before. Until you, you never noticed it, that's yeah. for sure. It's, it's obvious, but it's right. one of those things you just don't notice unless you're looking, I guess. Yep. Yep. All right, now we are entering the home stretch. So mm-hmm. now we've got another lead section, and this time the... The drummer is not doing that thing on the bell with the offbeats. So it's not sort of, I don't think, adding, but it's like we're in a different spot. It's not just copy and paste from before. Different style groove. Have a listen. So there's your guitar tone. It's back. Yeah. And the pinch harmonics are back in complete control. Right? Yeah. Yep. It's just a great, you got to like really listen to the solo because it's so well played. I wonder how many takes it was. Here's where the solo gets interesting. It's where it gets more ad libby because now we're getting to the end so you can take more chances. Listen to how he kind of builds to this little diddly, diddly, diddly. Oh, geez. <laughs> and then plays it out. How about we just play it? Yeah. yeah. You okay. want me to do it? Hike. All right. Here he goes. <laughs> Then I think the least expected of all things comes in. <laughs> a road solo. Yeah. That's what makes it so yachty. That's it got it all the way up to a 12 or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. That would do it, right? <laughs> so this is uh, just not your average road solo. No, it's like real dry solo. It doesn't have any of the typical effects you associate with the roads. The chorus, flanging, phasing stuff. This is like dry right out of the preamp. It's more rock and roll, more yeah. classic rock. Well, yeah. but He it's probably very- wishes he still had the whirly that he had earlier. <laughs> Must have broken the Must session. have broken <laughs> the Well, let's give him his dukes. I think it's quite well played. Let's hear a little of that. So it's one of those things where, like, I could, it's like the vibe solo in uh, Moonlight Feels Right. I've heard it a million times, but when you just sit there and, like, study it for a second, you're like, man, well written. Or just well ad libbed, whatever. Yeah. It's beautiful. And you know, I guess I I didn't expect, like I say, a Rhodes thing. So you don't associate, uh, you know, it's not like a name guy that you you'd expect, like a Don Grolnick or uh, you know Michael O'Mardian to lay down something you're expecting and is typical of their ability. It's like, oh, 
Oh, this guy can play too. <laughs> yes, again. Yeah. That's why he was for hire. And then, do you think coming up that uh, this next solo is a? It's got to be a di- the other guitar player because stylistically it's different and tonality it's different. So he enters with this um, these octave things he's playing in unison, sort of like a Wes Montgomery or a George Benson style. Well, I listen again, and I'm not sure of this, so, but at one of the listens through, I thought maybe there were two guitar players call and answer and then come together in harmony they do yeah but this seems to be the other guy getting his section yes agreed well let's listen to it Now, does that qualify as wire choir? No. No? Wow. <laughs> it's so. close. It's t- it's two guys playing in harmony. It's more like what the Eagles did on Hotel okay. California. It's, yes. Uh, well, Not- did we call that wire choir back when we did it? We may have. We may have. We, we talked there were very different ways to skin a cat. Yeah. yeah. Or a cat could skin a wire choir. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the tune, except for the final little uh, hiccup uh, in your hitching your giddy up here. But I, the only reason I want to play it is because if you haven't been paying attention... The bass player just doesn't hold out that same root chord. No, I He's all that. over the octave. Yeah. So let's listen to how he kind of plays around the doom. Mm, 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 mm. Well, he can do it better. So, yeah, I noticed that as well. It was, you'd expect just the boom, 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 and it's not. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of indicative or representative of how clever the song is throughout. I mean, and it, it has an ending. I mean, it, come on. It has an ending. No fade out. So when I came up with this idea, I want to ask you, did it disappoint? Did the song p- come through and pay off for you? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Well, hopefully it did for the listeners as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it was well worth the study. If not, I mean, we got a chance to redeem yourself in the lightning round. Well, let's see how we do there. All right. Oof. Well, at very least, I think what we're risking is whether this is a great podcast, Charlie Brown. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> there are no electronics I can use to actually make you sound like Linus. How did you know so, I was doing Linus? Because I must have sounded like Linus. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to kick us off or shall I? I'll kick us off because I found it C. When you first brought this up, I thought there was a great live version of this on an album. Mm. This goes back to what I was holding off for the lightning round. And um, what I was actually thinking of, because I knew we had, at one point, the live album that they put out called Are You Ready? Which is actually surprisingly difficult to find on streaming. So I've noticed. Yeah. Uh, So I thought there was a live version of Spooky on that that I was remembering for the great guitar solos. Turns out, as I went and reflected and looked back, and it wasn't Spooky that I was being reminded of. It was Imaginary Lover. Ooh, live Imaginary Lover has some killer guitar solos. So uh, that is my found at sea. And here we're going to play some Imaginary Lover.
had that record, and I don't know if we bought it or where it came from, but that would be the extent of records that we had from Atlanta Rhythm Section. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's ambrosia. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, my found at sea, you okay. mentioned that, yes, this is the time of year that I like to listen to my Halloween on the yacht playlist. Mm. Now, I must confess that not every song on this uh, is yacht rock. <laughs> no kidding. Not, conversely, not every song is uh, technically a Halloween song. Yes, but in your twisted mind, it, the title or a lyric makes some connection. Yeah. So, in some songs, are neither about Halloween or yacht rock. <laughs> But somewhere in your <laughs> so, twisted mind. So for example, like on the we have Spooky, of course, resides on this playlist. Devil Woman, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Thriller by Michael Jackson is not Yacht Rock, but it's got all the cats, right? And I think you are legally obligated to include Thriller on a, any Halloween Do you have playlist. the Monster Mash on there? No, but I do have <laughs> Ghostbusters because Ray okay. Parker's a certified Yacht Rocker. All right. But I've also got things like Evil Woman, which is, you know, ELO. ELO yeah. uh, I got Witchy Woman. So anyways. Oh, a lot of women. A little bit of this and that on this playlist. I like to listen to it this time of year. I will link to it in the show notes in case you do but until then what i found at sea is interesting i don't know this is more west coast again than it is yacht and has nothing to do with halloween but you know that terrence boylan record yeah well which one he's got a couple good well ones. the the one that we've talked about the, the most hey papa with, record yes yeah, yeah. that okay. one is such a good listen so from that record is a song called shame nothing to do with halloween and again it's not yacht rock but it starts out yachty and it starts out spooky have a listen Sneak into your dreams at night as trains roll by. Dark faces of villagers and fields arrive. Drifting at the crossing. So, because he says sneaking and night and words yeah, like that, f- he made your faces list? of villagers. It just sets up this really spooky imagery. It is spooky. It really, yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And the sound of it, too. It's just certainly, like as much as I make fun, it's a good call. <laughs> These playlists are so fun to think about how I must be like, aggravating people all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, but it's good. All right. All right. What's your buried treasure? So my buried treasure, also on this playlist, is a uh, an album that if you have not been listening to us all along, it may be still buried for you. And that's the uh, the Wilson Brothers record. Mm-hmm. That whole thing is buried treasure. Um off of that album, I have selected a tune for this playlist called Shadows. Does that sound oh, spooky? Sure. Yeah, I get All that right. one. Well, let's listen to a little of it. Here's Shadows, Wilson Brothers, featuring the guitar stylings of one Steve Lukather. Sometimes you're here for a moment or two. So, it's kind of... Kind of Halloweeny, but that would be intent. Maybe a little bit intentional with the name Shadows in it, yes. right? Yes. So this is what you'll get on this masterful playlist. Well, I have a buried treasure. All right, and, and I have a feeling one of the songs. It's an album. Okay, again, like you said, I have an album that I think is a buried treasure. Right, and I bet one of the songs is on your playlist. Let's find out the album, which I think is a surprise. How good it actually is, sort of from top to bottom, is the Rockwell album Ooh. not yachty but do you have um somebody's watching me on your playlist is that on there it's not the song i'm bringing up oh no i don't actually uh, I, that was a bridge too far for me even though it's the perfect halloween song yeah it's just so i don't know not yachty for then me i guess you don't have this one on there and that oh. would be obscene phone caller <laughs>
I don't know why that feels uh, Halloween-y, but it, it, I guess it ties into that lurker on the phone line thing. Uh, yes, it does. Oh. <laughs> should have got the kid with the gum, right? I, sh- I should have that on here. Yeah. If I'm going to put one, I'm putting them both. I'll just tell you that. Right I now. got you. Yeah. All right. So you guys could check the link in the playlist to see what I decided. <laughs> All right. Um, last. Oh, no. You have a. Uh, I have an map. off the map, and then you have an off the map. Correct. Right? Mundo. All right. Off the map, 1971. Um, I actually grabbed this song because it could go on your playlist. Okay. Title works. Now, do you think it is on the playlist, or are you just thinking it should be? I, I, I'm sure it is not at okay. this point. Uh, you do not have any Herbie Mann on that list, I am sure. Do not. No. Okay. Herbie Mann did an album in 1971 called Push Push. It was one of his breakthrough records. And I tell you what, the cover is scary because it's just him with no shirt on. Yikes. And he's awfully hairy. <laughs> and if you turn on the back to turn it like you want oh, no. to face it the other way, His back? he's on the back. His back is on the back? No, the, the same picture. Oh, jeez. Couldn't and, get enough. But of it? it's a gatefold, so you could actually open the gatefold. I don't and, want to know what's in the middle section. Trust me, <laughs> you, it, that doesn't help. Okay. So <laughs> anybody who has that record knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, personnel on this record. You won't believe the personnel. 1971, a flute fusion jazz record, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's your personnel across the record. Bass players include Chuck Rainey. Mm, I like it already. Yeah. Um, Donald Duck Dunn, who was from uh, like a Stax session guy, played with Booker T and the MGs. Yes. Uh, drummers include Bernard Purdy. Ooh, right. Al Jackson Jr., also from Booker T. That was he was on Triss's uh, top ten list. Correct, Mundo. Uh, Ralph McDonald on percussion. We got Richard T. on piano, electric piano, and organ. He came up a couple times too. Yeah, uh, Dave Spinoza on guitar. He's not really a yachty guy, but he's associated heavily with like James Taylor and Paul McCartney. Uh, Cornell Dupree, another like Stax uh, guitarist. Played with Aretha, Bill Withers, Donny Hathaway. I mean, we're talking personnel across the board. But the, I guess the biggest star on this album, besides Herbie, is the lead guitar player on all tracks, and he's heavily featured, is Dwayne Allman. Really? And the album is produced by Arif Martin. And so now we're going to get to the title of the song I'm going to play. Okay. It was actually written by Aretha Franklin, and it's called Spirit in the Dark. Wow, that's you know what that sounds like? Hmm. Background music to like when um, Sanford and Son or something. No, that like if you saw Snoopy and Woodstock walking. Oh my gosh, that's a yes. great song, Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that's good. Uh, the mental imagery notwithstanding. Yeah. All right, I'll think about. Should I put that on the list or no? Not yachty enough. Nah, it's not. <laughs> All right, well it is off the map. So speaking of off the map, going back to my uh, playlist here, let's pull up a little. I think last Halloween I brought up uh, Gino Vanelli's uh, Gino Vanelli's Nightwalker tune. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, I know I did at some point. Um, that is on the playlist, you know, Nightwalker. Sure. Um, and I posed the question: Does this song smooth or does it melt your face? And I can never tell for that song. Both. Let's go to the other album that has the should have been certified. I just want to stop. Mm-hmm. There's a song on there called "The Evil Eye." Mm. Now, what strikes me about Gino Vanelli, especially on this album, and maybe both of these two albums, how proggy he got at points. Uh-huh. This is a proggy side of him. Here's the evil eye. 
You know, Brother to Brother is the album that most people that are fond of that era of Gino point to as being his best. I prefer Nightwalker, hmm. but Brother to Brother is the one that everybody points to. And as I recall, I have a note somewhere that I was going to bring up, and I'll have to double check on it. But I thought it said, going to Rolling Stone, that Rolling Stone rated it 0.5 stars. <laughs> half a star. Really? Is that correct? I don't know. You want me to look that up right now? Yeah. Can you? <laughs> yeah. Shows Rolling what they know or knew. This was the Rolling Stone album guide in 1992, rating at 0.5 point stars. 0.5. Come on, man. But yeah, I'll say. I mean, but he he's definitely coming in hot on that, too. Oh, yeah. The evil eye. All right. All right. Yes, yes, well, yes. you know what I got to say? What? Ahoy, polite, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown.